While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. Hello, everybody. I've been working pretty hard to put some episodes together and planning to post them the first week in June. I'm planning to have some dental surgery done, so while I can still talk, I thought I would put a short, kind of fun episode together. So this is Looking Through the Papers again. And we'll start with the Banks County Observer for 1888. Two short notices on top of each other. The first one says, News is remarkably dull and scarce. Everyone is busy. Consequently, nothing of an exciting nature going on. And you can always count on the Banks County Observer to point out when nothing is going on. But below it, next Tuesday is Election Day. General indications are things will be pretty lively throughout the county. That means the whiskey's coming out. This is another Banks County Observer, and every once in a while I'll come across this and just wonder about it. Here's exactly what it says. That ghost has appeared again. He wants to know who will be a candidate for coroner. Having read enough articles in the Banks County Observer, I can tell you that the editor did have a sense of humor. This could be a funny way of pointing out that somebody needs to run for coroner. However, they spell it G-O-A-S-T, meaning that either a misspelled ghost is asking, or even stranger, a misspelled goat is asking. There's one or two here that I read when I did the live show at uh, Sweetbreads in Demarest in April, but they're too good just not to share. This is a pair of deaths from a Demarest paper in 1894. The first discusses Roland Minor. He was about 21 years old when he died. Mr. Minor died after a sickness of about three weeks. He was hit by lightning and then fell off a mule, uh, with a day or two in between those particular incidents. He died, and a few weeks later, his doctor actually wrote into the newspaper to tell everyone it was neither the lightning nor the uh, falling off the mule that killed him. It was a combination of both that caused nervous sickness, and he uh, stressed that when something traumatic like that happens to you, you have to make sure to get plenty of rest afterwards. The other item I'm just going to read to you. Mr. Norris, who lives near Demarest, started his aged mother recently on a visit to his brother in Texas, and this week a letter came from the brother announcing that Mrs. Norris arrived, but was dead. He did not know how she came to her death, but from the drift of the letter it is supposed by negligence of the railroad company. I also kind of have a feeling that she might have been the quietest one in the train compartment, and when they finally got there, someone's touched her on the hand and said, uh, Mrs. Norris, we're here. Uh, Mrs. Norris? I've never done the story of Helen, but in a nutshell, the town basically existed around an asbestos mine, and when that started to go bad, the town decided to go into tourism in a big way. This is an article from 1894. An industry of far-reaching importance has just been inaugurated in Georgia. Near Demarest, in White County, in the midst of extensive asbestos deposits, has been erected a plant for preparing the fiber for market. 
After several years of experimenting to secure proper machinery, the plant is now complete and has commenced operations with a daily output of from 25 to 30 tons of the finished material. That's per day. Uh, this is an article that really surprised me. It's from January 29, 1920, and the paper is the Clayton Tribune. It references a fire at Piedmont College in 1920. Dr. J.C. Dover went to Atlanta yesterday to rehabilitate clothing for Mrs. Helen and Marie, who were so unfortunate to lose in the dormitory fire at the Piedmont College. The fire will cost the doctor round $200. I mean, I have all the sympathy in the world for having to pay $200 to buy your daughter's new clothes, but you also still have two daughters. Now, the icing on the cake here, of course, is the next article, which starts with, The town wheelbarrow has either been stolen or borrowed. If borrowed, please return. And if you have stolen it, some night, return it at the door to the city toolhouse. When I was in 7th and 8th grade in Harrington Park Elementary School, we had science very often, and we did no real science. We learned nothing about science. We spent two years preparing for the imminent changeover to the metric system. The number of worksheets we did, if you could convert them back to trees, would make a nice-sized forest. And I'll tell you this, if you want to learn the metric system, get a 3D printer because everything's in metric and you get used to it pretty fast, but I still can't convert from one to another. Well, how long have we been trying to do that? Well, the Elberton Gazette in July 14th, 1866 has a glowing story about the metric system. It seems that the House of Representatives passed a resolution legalizing and mandating the metric system of weights and measures throughout the United States. And this article is full of handy tips like this. The high standards of the weight are the quintal, the same as the French quintal, or 225,500 pounds, and the ton identical with the French millier used for marine tonnage and equal to 22054 pounds. What the hey is that supposed to mean? Uh, this is the Franklin County Register from 1878. They have actually some jokes on the front page, so, uh, you know, buckle up. A man who owes more than he can pay is naturally more ose. Morose, I guess. How to raise beets. Take hold of the tops and pull. The label upon a bottle of age remedy requesting the patient to shake well before using is superfluous. Think about it. That's actually kind of funny. And uh, cucumber socials are in order. If you like to go to cramp meetings, the agony is intense. I-N-T-E-N-T-S. Comedy gold. Okay, this is another notes column here from uh, the Tacoa Record. This is March 8th, 1901, and the column is titled, Told Around School. The pupils of Miss Gilmore's room are still looking for the shades promised by the board. The boys have quit wrestling and are now playing baseball. And the pupils of the third and fourth grades are very much interested in arithmetic. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm reading this verbatim from school notes. We are trying to raise enough money to buy us a curtain before commencement, so come out to hear Mr. Knight's lecture. 
Here's some interesting notes from the Cleveland Advertiser. This is from 1880. It's the notes column where they just have a sentence or two about a lot of different things. For example, it does say White County has more good-looking young ladies than any other county in the state of its size. A couple of notes here about corn. One note is, we want three bushels of good seed oats. Below that is, was there ever a man in life without want? Below that, corn is selling at 60 cents per bushel. And below that, will some of our subscribers please bring us some corn? We want a few bushels. There's a note here that says, young ladies, this is leap year. You should make good use of your time. Yeah, you got one more day to get some work done. And I'll close with just a three-line note here that took me a little while to figure out, but it probably made perfect sense at the time. The time has come when chickens must go up the spout. As you know, the circuit riders are circuiting around. Best I can figure on that, and seriously, if you know more about this, movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com, up the spout, I believe, was a term for death. And the newspaper was urging people to listen to those circuit-riding preachers while they were still, you know, not up the spout. That's the way we do it down in Georgia. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia. That's all.